Hello and welcome to the Bicom podcast. I'm Samuel Nerding, Bicom's research associate, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Lord Eric Pickles, who is here to discuss everything that happened Israeli-related at the recently concluded Tory party conference, as well as some aspects of the UK's foreign policy regarding Israel. Lord Pickles is a Conservative life peer and, among other titles, is the House of Lords Parliamentary Chairman for the Conservative Friends of Israel and the Government's Special Envoy for Post-Holocaust Issues. Lord Pickles, thank you for joining the Bicon Podcast today. Pleasure to be here. So let's start with party conference. What was your overall impression of the reception to the Conservative Friends of Israel stand? It seemed on social media that many of the events had a high level of attendance. Yeah, I mean, the stand was buzzing uh, from the very first opening of doors to, to, to the end. It's always had a tradition of being a fairly friendly uh, stand. And uh, we uh, had a fair a number of people wanting to join uh, CFI. Um, I've been to a few conferences. This actually was my 50th annual conference that I've attended. Uh, the first one I had to get permission from my head teacher to attend. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have, I have seen a few. It's been pretty good for, the, uh, mm. uh, for Israel's reception. Um, you know, there's a, a definite uh, pro-Israel uh, feel um, um, within the Conservative Party. Ambassador said that usually when she's uh, talking to um, uh, a friendly audience, she says, well, their heart's in the right place. Mm. Well, she thinks not only has our hearts in the right place, our heads in the right place. Mm. And I think, I think it's been a, kind of like a, a maturing of, the, of um, uh, the view about Israel and its importance to, to Britain, particularly over the last uh, sort of five to six uh, years. I think that also kind of that old romance thing, um, which I suppose I must be part of uh, in terms of uh, seeing Israel as a, a bastion of democracy. Um, I think that's kind of been replaced by understanding that we've got a really reliable partner that goes way beyond security, way beyond the kind of traditional things that, uh, you know, for example, our NHS, our, uh, NHS wouldn't be able to function without... Uh, number of Israeli patent medicines. Um, there's a lot of uh, work going on in terms of innovation, work on cardiothoracic, work on, on, um, on Alzheimer's. And, uh, you know, the startup nation, the innovation nation has really taken on. Most people will have got uh, to um, uh, uh, Harrogate if they, came, if they went by car, uh, courtesy of Waze. You, um, you mentioned the, the ambassador, so um, Zippy Hoftavelli was in attendance and she, and she, she gave a, a speech. H- how did she go down with Tory voters? She's um, had a, a mixed reception from the Jewish communities in the UK since her arrival. How was, how was her reception with Tory voters? Well, we kind of, we kind of did joke a little bit. That we were, we're grateful that um, she couldn't stand for the leadership of our party. But Boris had nothing to worry about. It was like being with a rock star. Um, she was a me- she was cheered to the very rafters, and um, I mean I've um, I knew her slightly before she came here, but she was very personal, and uh, I had the uh, uh, the honour of taking her around um, the sort of the commercial stores, and we tended to concentrate on those 
concerned with the health and with caring uh, disability. And she, you know, you sort of go, do you want to meet the ambassador uh, to Israel? And there was no hesitation. And uh, she was pretty, pretty charming. And um, at times I felt like I was escorting Mick Chucker around the stalls. Um, so we have a, uh, a newly installed form secretary in, in Liz Truss, and I know she spoke at an event at the CFOI, and she also mentioned Israel, Israel in her kind of keynote address to the conference. Is the appointment of Secretary Truss a positive for the UK's radio relationship? I think on a scale of 1 to 10, it's in the upper 12s. It's, uh, it's very good news. Liz has always been a good supporter of Israel. She made it clear at the um, fringe meeting that she wanted to see a trade deal. Uh, she wanted to see closer work on security, closer work uh, on trade, closer work on, on, um, on innovation. And um, she said that um, Israel was um, um, our, well, our, our closest and best ally. And you know, as um, the Angela Rayner found that the her own conference that sometimes late at night people say things and uh, perhaps they exaggerate a little bit. But within a matter of days, that was uh, put to the test with a decision at uh, the UN Human Rights Council where not only did we uh, not go along with the new wording, we actually called for a vote and voted against it. Now, having been through this process many times, I had half expected to listen to how we changed the wording and we'd watered it down and we did all this and the other. But I mean, essentially, what um, you know, Liz's decision to vote against it is a, is the clearest indication that there is no such thing, particularly uh, with regard to the, the Durban uh, Council, the, the Durban Conference. There's no such thing as anti-Semitism light, and that it's an emotional thing. You can't change these things by slight alteration of the wording but um, you know there is a line and you need to decide which side you're on uh, so I think it's, these are good times for uh, British um, Israeli corporations and good time for politicians right across the spectrum to get to know one another I mean CFI has never been partisan so far as Israeli politics um, are concerned we didn't associate with particularly one party, and even in Likud's long um, ruin of power, we kept up good relations with uh, with other parties, including the Labour Party. Great. Um, perhaps I can get your view on the, uh, the development that happened earlier this week with author Sally Rooney and, and her decision to allow only a Hebrew version of her new book to be printed if the publisher is, and I quote, compliant with the boycott, divestment and sanctions movements, institutional boycott guidelines. She has been accused of being anti-Semitic and hypocritical, whilst those on the hard left have said that she has taken a more principled stand against the Israeli state and not the Jewish Israeli people. What's your view on, on her decision? Well, I mean, if she's taking these moral decisions with regard to who she should support, uh, she's clearly uh, signed up um, um, with the... Uh, Chinese Communist uh, uh, Party um, uh, uh, against the Weijers, um, if we use the rather nutty logic that she's got. Um, I mean, I think uh, uh, BDS uh, is a discrediting 
useless um, uh, organization. And um, while it's been in existence, the amount of trade that uh, the UK has um, with, uh, with Israel has just steadily increased. I think it may be, you know, in the limited circle she has of lefty friends that uh, she's probably very popular, but most people will be bewildered by that decision. And also, that's a bit weird suggesting that a language has a political view. You know? God only knows what she would think if it was translated into Serbo Croat or, or Mandarin or whatever. I mean, you know, language is a neutral. And I just uh, think um, as she matures, I think she will feel rather foolish. What about kind of the, the practical impact you think? kind of Sally Rooney's decision has for the region. Um, obviously, we have this kind of anti-normalisation campaign and there's those in Israel and, and in the West Bank who kind of want to build co-sister networks. Do you think kind of Rooney's decision makes it easier or harder for them to do so? It's a kind of a hard thing to say. Brought out many people um, are that interested in her views um, mm. beyond um, a ton of people within a mile of Islington uh, Town Hall. Um, but one thing, one thing that has been consistent in terms of who's been the victim of, um, of BDS, whether it's uh, inability to um, uh, read a novel or to in, in enjoy an ice cream from, from Ben and Jerry's, the people generally lost out of the people who wanted to make it work and the people generally looked out uh, lose out are um, uh, Palestinian Arabs. Let's kind of maybe look more at the region and it's been just over a year since the historic signings of the normalization agreements between Israel, Bahrain and, and the UAE. How in your view has the Abraham Accords impacted the region and perhaps maybe, maybe your work over the last year? And as a kind of segue, maybe you can talk a bit about how the UK government is or can add to the growing Israeli-UAE relationship? Well, I mean, clearly, particularly in the Gulf states, the, uh, the UK has a long-established uh, contact. I think um, you know, the initial signing came out of the blue and was quite a shock. And um, because sometimes there's reluctance uh, to credit uh, former President Trump with anything, there was, uh, I think, a degree of reserve. But I think the big impact has been on the region itself with the free flow of, um, of people. Um, Israelis and Arabs have uh, got to know each other much better with the, with the regular contact. That um, joint, uh, joint ventures are going on together, flights are taking place, something that we wouldn't have believed. I think it's long-term implication really is this that the way in which a lasting peace can be uh, developed means that the Palestinians are no longer in, in the driving seat. And uh, wouldn't it be magnificent to see Arab nations and Israel working together for the mutual economic benefit of the region? You know, obviously, I've seen a number of ventures um, uh, between Palestinian Arabs and, and is, is really particularly among young people. 
And the one thing that you know, I, I sort of reflected on with Gaza, if instead of spending vast sums of money, stealing vast sums of money from the population to have these ludicrous um, rockies that are, that are almost certainly going to be destroyed by Iron Dome, if we put that money into uh, desalination, into uh, electricity supplies, put it into improving the roads, put it into improving the education system. There's no reasons why the enormous benefit that um, hardworking Israelis have brought to the region that could not, wealth could be um, transferred to Gaza and to the West Bank. Absolutely. The um, Secretary of State yesterday, Anthony Blinking, was meeting Foreign Minister Yair Lapid and I believe a state official, department official, said that the US is working to enlarging the, the Abraham Accords, the circle. Do, do you think the UK has a role in that aspect to help other Arab nations come, come to Israel and make normalisation agreements? Well, I think, I think there's a keenness. Um, it's, in a way, it's lost its novelty um, effect now. We can't, we're very used to seeing um, uh, Arab um, uh, political leadership and it's really talking on the same um, platform, uh, taking about talking about the same thing, and um, it's a far more useful. It's a far more useful uh, thing to be happening than previously. The big question is the elderly leadership of the Palestinian Authority prepared to take that gamble and put the interests of the young people um, uh, within. Um, within the West Bank first. And, and you know, grass is work with it. Um, we know that um, Abba Ivan uh, said that you, that you should never underestimate the Palestinian Authority to, you know, to, 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 to miss the opportunities um, when, it's, when it's presented to them. Um, and here is something that they could really grasp and it would make such a big difference to bring to bring peace and prosperity to a, to a, to a wonderful area of, of the world. And um, I'm, I'm sure the UK, particularly the UK with uh, Liz Truss as our foreign secretary, will be keen to help this process along. Great. You mentioned, um, you mentioned Gaza and it's, it's been noticed by Israelis that the Home Office has only banned the, the military wing of Hamas and not its political wing, unlike um, the US, Japan, Canada and others. Do you think it's time the, the UK bans the whole Hamas organisation? And, and if so, what would the consequence be for Hamas in the UK if the government does so? Well, let me give you um, a long, uh, complicated answer. Yes, of course we should do it. And uh, the consequence is that it will be more difficult for terrorists to raise money. Within the UK, it'd be more difficult for terrorists uh, to bank in the UK. It'd be more different, uh, more more difficult for a terrorist to uh, to money launder their money uh, uh, in the UK. But it'd be good for the region, and um, it would at least um, have the advantage um, of being an honest decision. So I think we, well, of course, I've no inside information, but I think. Um, I think we should watch this place because there is no logic um, in not following uh, the view of the rest of our allies and recognising the distinction between the military and the political wing 
is um, non-existent. Great. And, and maybe if I can lastly just, just get your thoughts and opinions on Iran and, and see that the JCPOA, it's, it's kind of become, it's going to be coming up in the next couple of weeks. The, and an EU um, advisor is, is going to Iran this week and they've called it as critical talks. Do, do you think the, the UK government is doing enough to hold Iran to account over its, its nuclear program and its violations of its JCPOA commitments? Um, or should it be doing more, particularly in terms of trying to get either Iran back to the table or um, as Israel probably wants, is, is other options being discussed to stop Iran from its nuclear enrichment? Well, I mean, at uh, the reception, Liz just said that you do everything in your power to ensure uh, that Iran uh, doesn't get um, a, a, a nuclear weapon. And I think that would be an enormously destabilizing uh, thing to happen. I mean, make no secret, um, uh, I had uh, grave doubts about the efficacy of the um, of the original deal. Um, it'd be good to get around the, the table, but I mean, the, the truth is that um, we, in terms of the violation, the, the, the RAD position uh, that they would have been had the had the process um, uh, had the, had the process being completed without various uh, without the various breaks, and that they are in a the world is in a much more dangerous uh, situation and continues to be in a dangerous uh, situation uh, because of their refusal to allow monitoring and their obvious keenness to get the bomb. Lord Pickles, um, thank you so much for, for that and uh, very interesting insights and thank you for, for joining the Bygone podcast today. My pleasure.